0: Welcome to Passion Church. For more information about Passion Church, please visit us online at www.passionchurch.tv. Now let's join the service already in progress. All right, we, talk, we began talking about change last week and we said this, we don't like to change. The truth is, is that most of us are absolutely insane. Yeah, if you didn't know that, we, I know we're not wearing straight jackets. I've got one at the house. I, I use it in a message, and I'll loan it to you if you want to make it, you know, verifiable that you're insane. But we don't like to change. We're insane. We do the same things the same way, and we expect different results, and therefore we are insane. And I began to talk to you last week about the fact that we have got to be transformed. God has called us to be transformers, but before we can transform anybody else, we have to start with us, Me. I have to start with me. And so last week, I began to talk to you about the fact that there had to be the first place that that it is crucial that we change in is in our mind. All change starts between your ears because if it changes anywhere else, after a little while, if your mind hasn't changed, you'll fall right back into the same patterns, the same pathways, the same habits if you don't change your mind. Remember, I told you I was going to mess with your mind. We talked about your mind. We said that there were four areas that we needed to change our mind about. The first was we had to change what we think about. I hope some of you have had a better time with your thought life this week because the reality is is that the Scripture tells us that we are to bring every thought into captivity. We're supposed to be Lord over our own mind. We're supposed to, we allow Jesus to step in and change what we think about. We, we exercise our self-will and the power of God because the Bible says that God has given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. And so we have this ability, we just don't exercise it to change our minds and we have to change what we think about. Then I told you that we had to change how we think about ourselves. How many of you have had an easier time looking in the mirror this week? All right, Because we've got to change our perception of ourselves. We're not what we see in the mirror. That's just a shell. God created us just like we are, and he loves us, and we've got to learn to love ourselves. But not only that, we've got to see others differently was the third area. I've got to see you differently with all of your idiosyncrasies and your, your quirks that I don't necessarily enjoy. i still got to understand that i got to see you different. We are family. And then I told you the last area, we've got to change how we think is about church because this is not optional. This is not maintenance. This is not an obligation. Being able to walk into this house on a Sunday morning and worship the Lord together with our family members, and I'm not talking about natural family members. I'm talking about supernatural family members. is a privilege and an honor, and we ought to treat it as such. And God shows up, and He shows off. Well, this week, I believe what I want to to say to you is this, is the change starts in our mind, but it can't stay there. There's a further step of change that must take place, and, and, and this one's going to be real fun because what I want to talk to you about this morning is that we must change in our body. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Is he going? Yeah, we're going to talk about our bodies this morning. Because, see, what I've discovered is that Paul wrote to his spiritual son, Timothy, and he began to talk about a transformation that needs to take place in our body. So, if you will, I want you to look at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 20 through 26. And while you're getting there, let me just uh, explain something to you, if you don't already know this. When Paul refers to a vessel, he is talking about our physical body. If you will remember, uh, in another portion of Scripture, Paul says that we contain this heavenly or this awesome treasure. In an earthen vessel, in a physical body we contain, a vessel we contain this blessing. So he writes to his spiritual son Timothy and he says this. He says, Now in a great house there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and earth, and some unto honor and some unto dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. But flee youthful lusts. And follow after righteousness, faith, love, peace, with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and ignorant questionings refuse, knowing that they gender strifes. And the Lord's servants must not strive, but be gentle towards all, apt to teach forbearing and meekness correcting them that oppose themselves if peradventure God may give them repentance unto the knowledge of truth and that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil having been taken captive by him unto his will let me read this first little part to you out of the message bible I think it's powerful it says in a well-furnished kitchen there are not only crystal goblets and silver platters but there are waste cans and compost buckets some containers used to serve fine meals. Others to take out the garbage. Become the kind of container that God can use to present any and every kind of gift to his guests for their blessing. There are three lessons real quickly that I just want to share with you out of this portion of scripture that Paul teaches us. The first is this. Both vessels, those that are of honor and those that are of dishonor are in the house. See, we think that what Paul is talking about is he's teaching a lesson to us about Christians and non-Christians. There are those that their lives have been changed so they become a vessel of honor. And then there are those that are not saved and they're a vessel of dishonor. Wrong. That's the wrong lesson. Because the truth is, he says, they're both in the house this is not a lesson to non-christians this is a lesson to christians he is saying that contained in the body of christ there are people who have used their body in such a way that they are a vessel of honor and some have used their body in such a way that they have become a vessel of dishonor this is talking about those of us in the house us look at your neighbor and say i'm in the house right we're in the house he's talking to us there sitting next to you may be a vessel of honor And there may be a vessel of dishonor sitting next to you. The second lesson teaches us is this, is that there are two types of Christians. And I've already talked about that a little bit. There are those that are purified in their body and there are those that are not purified in their body. And here's the third lesson, and that is this. How we use our vessel determines whether God can use us to do His work. That's the lesson that Paul is trying to teach us. He he is saying that how you use your body, how you use your physical being, determines whether or not God can actually use you or not. In other words, he's saying it like this. When God looks at some of us, he sees silver. When, when, When God looks down on you, and gazes upon you because of the fact that you've presented your body to him and you're living a pure and a holy lifestyle, what he sees when he looks at you is he sees silver. The problem is, Paul's saying, that there are some of us that when God looks at us because of the way we are using our body, he sees styrofoam. And the truth is, is that when you have guests come over to your house that you really want to impress and that you really want to spend time with and you hope that you can kind of woo them into your life, you don't set out styrofoam. You put out silver. You get out the fine china. We got plates that I haven't eaten on in 15 years. I don't even know what they're for except to give me a backache when we move from house to house. Fine china. But what God is saying to us is that by the way that you use your physical body determines are you fine china or are you styrofoam that we use and dispose of. We have a decision to make. Paul is teaching us that by the way we use our bodies, we can forfeit being used by God. You understand what Paul is t- teaching here. He's teaching this old-fashioned word that we don't hear anymore that we ought to hear called sanctification where we become pure and we become set apart for a special use. What he's saying to you is that by how you live your physical life, how you use your physical body determines whether you are set aside for a special use. Some of you are asking yourself right now, why does God use them and doesn't use me? Oh, it's deep in here right now. I was mean to the leaders this week. We went on a leadership retreat and I was tough with them. I might as well be tough with you. Some of you are not being used by God right now because of the way you use your physical body. Paul is saying to Timothy, handle your body properly. So, how do we become a vessel of honor? If Paul is saying to us, to to be used by God, you've got to handle your vessel properly, then tell me, Paul, how do we handle our physical body properly? What do I have to do to be seen by God as silver? And so he makes it real plain. He gives us the answer. He says this first. The first lesson he teaches us is this. We must make a conscious choice to be pure i want you to catch that this morning we must make a conscious choice to be pure he says it like this in second timothy chapter 2 verse 21 that i just read to you he puts the emphasis on us he said if a man purges himself but i steve i want to run to the altar and, and get all the impurities out of my life well it works but the truth is is that you got to make a conscious effort to remain pure There's something that, this choice that you have to make, this decision that you have to make on a daily basis not to sin. We've bought a lie. Somebody sold us a bill of goods that says, you know what, you can't go through a day without sinning. Why? Is Jesus that weak? Is his blood that thin? Was the sacrifice that little? No. We have the ability, if we make a conscious decision, to remain pure if we choose to remain pure. The problem is we just don't choose to. And so Paul says it like this, and we don't like this verse of Scripture, but in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, he says, I buffet my body. He's rough on himself. I buffet my body and I bring it into subjection, lest that by any means when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. In other words, he's saying, you know what, this is hard work. How many of you have discovered that being a Christian is not all that easy? Right, it is hard. We have to make a conscious decision about how we live our life and what we use our physical bodies for. And Paul is saying, you've got to get to the place where you will beat your body into subjection. In other words, you don't have to carry out every whim. You don't have to carry out every desire. You don't have to carry out every temptation. There's not a written rule that says, once the temptation you comes, I have to give in to it. No, you beat your body into subjection. That's why in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says that we present our body as a living sacrifice. We place ourselves on the altar. Now, I've heard my dad say for years is that, this, that the only problem with living sacrifices is that they have a tendency to crawl off the altar. And that's what we do. We, we come into a service like this. We experience the power of God. We place ourselves on the, sacri- the altar as a sacrifice. They say, God, take me, every bit of me. And then as soon as we walk out the door, when somebody pulls out in front of us trying to get on Northwest Expressway, we forget. And we don't beat our bodies into subjection. See, I'm going to say a really nasty word right here. I would call it a four-letter word. The only problem is it's got ten letters. All right Here it is. Nasty word. Discipline. We don't like discipline. But the truth is, is that we have no disciples because we have no discipline. They are connected. You cannot separate them. They are part and parcel. If you want to be a disciple, Paul is saying, you must be disciplined. You don't get to eat everything you want. Oh, Steve, don't go there. You don't get to do it. You don't get to go. You don't get to. T- we discipline ourselves. That's how we become a vessel of honor. Number two, the second way we become a vessel of honor is we handle and use our body differently. And he gets real specific with us. The first thing he deals with is our feet. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 22, he says, flee from temptation. Flee from youthful lusts. I think we've forgotten that 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 22 says to, this is actually what it says, flee the very appearance of evil. Where do we get off thinking that we get to get as close to evil as we possibly can and God will excuse it? Styrofoam, right? Because if we want to be silver, we flee from evil. That means if it even looks halfway evil, I'm nowhere around it. I know you can take it to extreme but this is just me I have a real this is a crazy example but I just bear with me I know I'm square I understand I'm a nerd I understand I have a real problem drinking ICB root beer out of one of those bottles have you ever been in a restaurant and you want a root beer and all they have is IBC or whatever it's called and they bring it to the table and they, they don't pour it in a glass like all their other drinks and bring it to you over ice they bring the bottle and set it down what's up with that you know what I do? I fill up my cup real quick and set it on somebody else's table. <laughs> I honestly remember this. I, Daddy probably doesn't remember this. I remember my mom and dad don't remember this. We were on going somewhere. He was preaching, and I remember we stopped at a convenience store, and I got an ICB root beer, and he made us stop before we get to the church and throw the bottle away so nobody would think we were drinking. You know what? I'm thankful for that. Because what that taught me is this, is we have a responsibility. It's called our witness, our testimony. And we have a responsibility to flee from the very appearance of evil. If somebody can look at our good and think it's evil, then we are messed up and we are causing them to stumble. And we lose our testimony. Where are your feet taking you? Where have you been using your feet to go lately? What have you been walking in lately that would cause somebody to stumble? Somebody to think they don't have it all together. Paul is saying to Timothy, use your feet correctly. David had problems with his feet. Oh, but he was a man after God's own heart. I understand that. But I also understand that in Psalm chapter 119, verse 59, he says it like this. He says, I thought on my ways and I turned my feet unto thy testimonies. Let me read it to you out of the Message Bible because it helps us. It says, When I took a long, careful look at your ways, I got my feet back on the trail you blazed. He's produced and given us an opportunity to walk a pure path. And we have to think on our ways and turn and walk according to his righteousness to be holy. The second thing he deals with Timothy about is he deals with his mouth. 2 Timothy chapter 2. This one's tough. Verse 23. Because the first thing he says to Timothy is this. Refrain from arguments. That's a novel concept, isn't it? He's saying if you want to be holy, if you want to be more than styrofoam, if you want to be more than a Dixie cup in the bathroom, he is saying to you that you have got to get control of your mouth and refrain from arguing. In fact, he goes on and says your mouth should be gentle. Have we forgotten that a soft answer turns away wrath? What I'm running into is I'm finding more and more Christians that are more crude and more brash and more argumentative than non-Christians. Haven't you met some Christians lately that are hard to get along with because they always got something to say? Yeah, I thought so. What's up? Come on now. He's saying we've got to use our mouth correctly have we forgotten that the tongue is a powerful weapon that there's life and death in this little thing called our tongue and when we open our mouths we can produce life or death in a situation or in a person we're armed come on now we are armed and some of us are dangerous I had to learn to control my tongue. I'll never forget, I was sitting in history class in high school, and there was a, a guy in my class, I don't know what was up with this history class, I don't think I learned any history, but what I did learn is we'd, every day we'd have cut-down contests, and I was pretty good at it. I was quick-witted, and I was fast enough with my tongue that I could inflict wounds, and there was a guy named Teddy Hefley. He was about nine times my size because I weighed 75 pounds in ninth grade, and I was a little weakling, but I was sharp with my tongue, and I'll never forget it. By the end of that class period, Teddy wanted to kill me. Why? Because of my tongue. I had to learn to get my tongue under control real fast or die, (laughs) right? That's where we are. I, I, I just got some questions for you this morning. What are you using your mouth for? Our mouth should become an instrument of instruction rather than destruction. Paul says you ought to be ready to teach instruction. How many of us produce instruction in those around us compared to how many of us produce destruction into those around us? I'm challenging you this morning. Transform your mouth. Here's another novel concept. Think before you speak take a few moments before that thing comes out of your mouth and think is this going to produce good life or is it going to produce death and if it's going to produce death you do not have the right to say it i'm preaching real good right now am i causing pain am i causing uh, am i causing turmoil let me ask you let me just tell you this morning it's not enough for you to be able to come in here on sunday morning and allow praise to come out of this mouth if on monday morning cursing comes out of this mouth or cuts come out of this mouth or hurtful things come out of this mouth can good water sweet water come out of the same well that bitter water comes out of how do we do that we compartmentalize our life and paul is saying this if you want to be used as a vessel of honor control your mouth get a handle on it then he said oh i almost forgot this how many of you ever have ever had your mouth washed out with soap oh isn't it nasty oh it's nasty but it works. I'm going to tell you what, if you've been saying a word, you shouldn't been saying, Mama hears you and she takes you in the bathroom and gets a bar of soap and Irish spring. Man, got the little grit in it. Oh. She works on you, man. I promise this, you'll never say the word. At least around Mama, you won't. The problem is, is that you can't get away from him. And he wants to purify and cleanse your mouth. And we need to come to a realization that we can't get away from him. And so he wants to preach our hands. Now, Paul doesn't speak directly to Timothy about his hands in this passage that I read to you. But just a few chapters earlier, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, he talks about our hands. And he, you know what he says to Timothy? I want you to be able to lift up holy hands. There's a passage of scripture that I've read to you over and over again in the last five or six months that we've been together. Who can approach God? Those with a pure heart and clean hands. We've got to learn to touch correctly. We've got to use our hands correctly. Our hands should become agents of rescue rather than pushing people down and oppressing people and hurting people. Our hands should be hands out like we've talked about so that we can lift. Can I get real specific with you what we should use our hands for? Well, it's not me getting specific. It's God because in Isaiah, he lines it out for us. In Isaiah chapter 58 verses verses 7 through 10, he says this. He says, what I'm interested in seeing you do is this. Share your food with the hungry. Use your hands. Invite the homeless poor into your homes, putting clothes on the shivering ill-clad, being available to your own families. Do you see the equation there? He is equating helping homeless with spending time with your own kids. This is how we're supposed to use our hands. Do this and the lights will turn on. And your life will turn around at once. Your righteousness will pave your way. Listen, then, or the God of glory will secure your passage. Then, when you pray, God will answer. You'll call out for help and say, and I will say, Here I am. Did you catch that? How you use your hands determines whether or not God answers your prayers. We don't like to talk about that God works based upon our works, but the truth is, according to Isaiah 58, that they're interconnected. You can't get rid of them. How we use our hands determines whether he uses his hands. That was good right there, by the way. You can write that down. How you use your hands determines how God uses his hands. Then he goes on and he says, if you get rid of unfair practices, quit blaming victims, quit gossiping about other people's sins. If you're generous with the hungry and start giving yourselves to the down and out, listen, your lives will begin to glow in the darkness. Your shadowed lives will be bathed in sunlight. I don't know about you, but I want to glow in the dark. How do you glow in the dark? You use your hands properly. We need a transformation in how we use our feet and how we use our mouth and how we use our hands. I've got a question for you this morning. Who have you been touching? What have you been touching? Or maybe the question for you is who have you not been touching? according to Isaiah chapter 58. I want to remind you of two passages of Scripture. The first is this, First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 3 through 8, because we're told that we need a transformation. It says, God wants you to live a pure life. Keep yourselves from sexual promiscuity. Learn to appreciate and give dignity to your body. To your body. In other words, in the King James, it says, every one of you should know how to possess his vessel in sanctification and honor. Not abusing it as is so common among those who know nothing of God. Don't run roughshod over the concerns of your brothers and sisters. Their concerns are God's concerns and He will take care of them. We were warned about this before. God hasn't invited us into a disorderly, unkempt life, but into something holy and beautiful, as beautiful on the inside as the outside. If you disregard this advice, you're not offending your neighbors. You're rejecting God. Who is giving or who is making you a gift of his Holy Spirit. And then in 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 19 through 20, we would quote it like this Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. But let me read it to you out of the message Bible. Or didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place? In other words, you don't come to church when you pull up here. You came to church when you woke up and looked in your mirror. You are a sacred tabernacle, a temple. The dwelling place of God. Didn't you realize that your body is a sacred place, the place of the Holy Spirit? Don't you see that you can't live however you please, squandering what God paid such a high price for? The physical part of you is not some piece of property property belonging to the spiritual part of you. God owns the whole works. So let people see God in and through your body. I am telling you this morning. I am challenging you this morning. Not only do you need to change your mind, you need to change your body. Well, Steve, I thought you were going to teach about weight loss or beating habits and addictions. Well, I did. You just didn't catch it. I said the word discipline. How do we deal with those issues of our life? We handle our bodies appropriately. We look at ourselves in the mirror and we begin to pray and say, God, examine my whole being, not just my heart, not just my mind. Why don't you deal with my whole body? And whatever is out of order, help me to have the discipline necessary to get it in order. If I'm using my hands incorrectly, help me. If I'm speaking incorrectly, let me talk with your grace and with your mercy invading my life. If I'm using my feet to go places I shouldn't go, then change my direction and take me to a new place. We are to be trans. And in your mind is not enough. It starts there, but it carries out into our bodies. I want you to stand with me this morning. See, what Paul is teaching us is this. You have a choice. I can't make this choice for you. You can be styrofoam and God will never use you. When the good guests come to the house, God won't have anything to do with you. He'll find somebody else that is purified, holy, set apart, and he'll use them. Or you can be purified and become silver, and he'll set you out. That verse of scripture that I read to you at the very end says, Know you not your temple, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you this morning you have a choice to make. You get to build God a shack or a palace. And it has nothing to do with work days on Monday, Thursdays, and Saturdays. It has to do with how you handle this physical vessel that God has given us and how you handle your physical body, what you look at, what you talk about, what you handle, where you go that produces a place, a fine dwelling place for God or you can contaminate the whole thing. You can come in here and buck and shout and dance and fall out and slobber and do all the things you want to do. We're not going to put a chandelier over there, but you could swing from one if you wanted to. And if you go out of that place and you don't deal with your physical body and handle yourselves correctly, it was a show. It was a waste of time, except for the exercise. Because what determines if you're usable or not is this. How am I using my skin? What am I touching? Let me challenge you this morning. Some of you touching things you shouldn't be touching. Some of you handling things you shouldn't be handling. Some of you looking at stuff you shouldn't be looking at. Some of you talking about things you shouldn't talk about. Some of you going places you have no business going. Be transformed. I want to challenge you this morning to be disciplined. Father, I thank you for your word. As tough as your word can be, I thank you that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. So therefore, it becomes our responsibility to make a choice to purge ourselves. We're weak. We're weak. We're weak. And we need your help. And so, Father, I pray that you would strengthen us this morning, that we would find discipline in our own lives. God, right now without embarrassing anyone I raise my hand and I say I need discipline discipline me oh God I would be I would rather be disciplined by you than disciplined by anybody else discipline me in my life help me to use my vessel properly transform me if you could join me in that prayer with nobody looking around I just want you to raise your hand right now I'm not going to call you to the front we've had our altar time this morning if you would say Steve I I realized this morning that I need help with my hands my feet my mouth my eyes my physical body and I want to be used by God I need him to discipline me and produce discipline me in me so that I can become a disciple of his just lift up a hand right now father you see every hand We realize in our mind that our bodies are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I pray that now we would be disciplined enough to carry that out in our bodies. That, Father, those of us that are using our hands incorrectly, we are touching things we should not touch, or maybe we're not touching what we should touch. I pray that you transform the way we use our hands this morning. Call us into purity and holiness. In our hands Father those of us that could say My feet are taking me places that I should not go Then Holy Spirit right now I pray that we would put our thoughts Upon your ways and our feet would turn To your path and we would walk In uprightness and righteousness And we would flee the very appearance Of evil we wouldn't see how close We can get without falling off the edge We would get as far away from, uh, from Filthiness and, and Evil and wrong things As we possibly can When evil's around, all that evil would see is elbow and tennis shoes. We'd be gone. In the name of Jesus. And then, Father, I pray, right now, probably one of the toughest things in all of our lives, even in my own life. Help us to control our mouth. When we get ready to gossip, shut our mouths. When we begin to talk bad about somebody else, shut our mouths. When we begin to complain about somebody else, shut our mouths. When I begin to talk about somebody else's sin, I pray that in the name of Jesus, you would shut my mouth. God, when I begin to speak out doubt and disillusionment and death, I pray that in the name of Jesus right now, discipline would overtake my life. Shut my mouth. Allow me to talk about things that would produce life and freedom. And deliverance in people around me when my co-workers begin to talk down and begin they're so cynical they begin to talk bad about the situation God I don't I pray that I wouldn't chime in I would either walk away or I would change the subject or I would bring life to the discussion and I say ah you don't understand God's in control they're not in control everything's gonna be alright and I would begin to lift up a standard and the enemy would flee control my mouth let me hang up the phone. Let me hang up the phone. When I'm tempted to call and talk to everybody else but you, let me hang up the phone and talk about what pleases you. In Jesus' name, I pray it. I claim it. Started in my mind, completed in my body. And I will present, come on, do this with me. Say this with me. I will present my body a living sacrifice to him. And I will not crawl off the altar until I'm dead. In Jesus' name. Father, hear that as our vow to you, our covenant with you. Take my body, whether I like it or not. Whether my body's tall enough or not, whether my body's strong enough or not, whether my body's small enough or not, whether my body, whatever it is, Father, take my body, it's yours. Produce in me sanctification where I can be set apart for the master's use. And I will praise you for it. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. We worship you this morning. I want you to find three people, and I want you to say this to them. First, find one. This is going to be fun. I want you to find one and look at them and say, be disciplined. All right, now I want you to find somebody else. You're going to love this one. Find somebody else, look at them and and, and say, shut your mouth. (laughs) All right, y'all weren't blunt enough. You weren't blunt enough. I want you to find one more person, then you're going to be dismissed. I want you to look at them and say, it's time for you to shut up. Now, hug on somebody. Use your body for righteousness this morning. Love on somebody. We'll see you this week in the workdays. We'll see you Wednesday night for Passion University. We love you. Be watching TV for our commercials. God bless you. We'll see you next week at Passion Church. It's been a privilege to have you join us for this time of ministry. To find more Passion Church resources or to make a donation online, visit www.passionchurch.tv. Remember, you can't live without passion.